Welcome to the Living in Alignment podcast. My name is Amy Landry. Through a collage of conversations, here we distill mindful living and timeless wisdom within a modern, everyday context. Thank you for being here. Paula Crossfield is a Vedic astrologer and business coach dedicated to helping a million spirit-led entrepreneurs make more money and impact so they can bankroll the change they want to see in the world. She believes that when spiritually grounded business owners are aligned with their purpose and the planets, they can earn massively and give back in profound ways to inspire a positive change in our culture. In fact, Paula is able to give back and donate five figures every year from her overflow, and that is in US dollars. Her insights on astrology and business strategy have helped her clients build sustainable five plus figure per month incomes while still embodying their values. When she is not helping her clients with proven strategies paired with astrology's auspicious timing and insights, you can find Paula working in the garden on her 160 acre homestead, where she and her husband are regenerating the forest and land for future generations. Paula, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for joining me and your flexibility in making this happen. Uh, so yeah, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. It's really an honor. Let's um let's dive in if you don't mind. I always like to do this at the beginning to lay some context for the work that you're doing in the world. If you wouldn't mind, could we start with your personal story as much as you'd like to share, especially how it pertains to the work that you're doing in the world at the moment? Sure. Yeah. So I mean, I started doing yoga at the age of 19 and I did yoga for about 12 years before I actually knew what I was doing. So I was doing yoga asana because I felt better because I was less stressed and had less anxiety. Right. And I lived in New York city and, you know, was very interested in fashion and music and being cool. And then I, I was married at a young age and I was, I went through a divorce in my early thirties. And so up until that time, you know, I'd gone to meditation classes and was sort of open, but I thought astrology was some weird thing in the newspaper that, you know, one twelfth of, of the human population was each sign. And it made no sense to me why this was valuable, you know, and in this moment of crisis, when I was going through a divorce, I turned to a Vedic astrologer, Joe Tishi, um, who I, I was just looking for answers. Like, what what is going on during this time? Like, why are we, why is this falling apart? You know, I, I wanted some answers. And this person could see things that I'd never told anyone by looking at my chart. And that moment of being seen in that way changed my life. I basically said to myself, I don't know what this is, but I am on a mission now to figure this out. And I just dedicated myself. I had like this very firm sankalpa. It's very strange. Like I I was going through like a, a divorce and losing a lot of things at the same time that I was sort of having a spiritual awakening. All It was all tied into one. Um, and so I was like, I have to figure this out. And as I made that decision, things started to organize in my favor. So um, about a, a year into that process, I decided to go to India for the first time and actually go, you know, to the motherland of yoga, right? And try to find 
something that could help me, right? I had no real concept. And I asked a number of my friends, where should I go? It just so happens that two of them pointed me to a very small Ayurvedic clinic in Karnataka that's run by a family. So random, right? I've never heard anyone else talk about this place. Um, the timing was over Christmas holidays because I had I had no desire to go home and, you know, face everybody post-divorce. I just wanted to go away. And, um, and so I knew I just needed to go at that time. I ended up um, going to this Ayurvedic clinic and somebody handed me the book Prakriti by Dr. Robert Svoboda. And I read it all that day. Um, these two people who were there were practicing a type of yoga called shadow yoga. And I had a friend back in San Francisco where I was living at the time who was telling me, you have to do shadow yoga. And at the time I was going to a yoga studio and I had all these friends at the studio and we would go together. And, you know, there was a lot of like showy poses and they sang kirtan and I, the yoga I had done in New York was very much based in a Buddhist tradition, funnily, like the person who led it was Buddhist. So you know, it was like, may all beings be free, right? And then we're going and we're singing to Durga and talking about the, you know, Navaratri and stuff. So I was like, I don't want to go to do shadow yoga. It's like a private, it's very like austere practice you do on your own. And it's very confronting, you know? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Have you? I, yeah, you... I am. I have practiced. Was that, okay. were you actually there with uh, Shandor and Emma at the same time? No, or was it... no, I studied with Scott Blossom. So, okay. Um, he is one of their their students. So, mm -hmm. um, so I went to this place. I'm reading Prakriti, right? And there's these two shadow yoga students. We're at dinner. We're talking about shadow yoga because they're practitioners that study with Shandor and Emma. Um, and I'm like, okay, this this is strange. I should just do it. And next to me is sitting a man who chimes in, and he's like oh yeah, you know, I do shadow yoga too. I know the founders, you should really try it. Oh wait, you're in the Bay Area. My friend is coming here tomorrow. He's from the Bay Area. He's coming with his family. He's actually a, a teacher of shadow yoga in the Bay Area. And I was like, is it Scott Blossom? Because that's who um, my friend had been suggesting I go to his intro class. So I was just like, okay, I'm listening, <laughs> right? And it turns out that man was Robert Svoboda who wrote Prakriti, right? And so wow. it's just like the the stars aligned in such a way where I literally just threw myself before the, you know, the feet of my my guru, who I still don't know in the body form. But I literally was like, I have there is nothing that I need right now. Like I fully understand the instructions and I will move forward accordingly. And then of course, um, Dr. Robert Sabordo has been a long-term, he's basically family to me now. We work together. He's one of my best friends. He's my mentor. And we've read like a thousand plus charts together. And, you know, I've studied um, Jyotish with him. And of course, he told me about my teacher, who's Stephen Heiberger, who I started studying with about 10 years ago. So this path just opened up to me. And I practiced shadow yoga with Scott. He was my Ayurvedic practitioner, my Chinese medicine doctor, providing me herbs and stabilizing me during my divorce. I mean, I feel so... Uh, blessed, honestly, that it it happened like that, because I know it doesn't happen like that for so many people, but um, it just really opened everything and changed. Mm. It was like everything that happened before that, I just, I'm grateful for it. And everything that happened after that was like, 
okay, I'm on this spiritual path and nothing's going to deter me from that. <laughs> That's an incredible story. Like an a story of very clear alignment where things were just put in front of you and you must go this direction. And what a gift to be, I suppose, exposed directly to such exceptional teachers who are true, uh, who are a true embodiment of what they study, practice and teach. Uh, such such a gift. I, I know that 100%. I, I know that I stumbled mm. across Dr. Svoboda's uh, book, same book, many many years ago, and that was my the trajectory for me um, pursuing Ayurvedic study as well. And uh, and you know, speaking of shadow yoga, I found that in today's yoga landscape, let's say, it's really one of the very very few, let's say, paths or. I hate to say styles because it's not a style. It's really rooted in Hatha yoga, uh, but that is rooted in such integrity and tradition yeah. and just a richness. Like it's, it's just a rich, exceptional practice. And it, it blows my mind that it's not, uh, not more well-known really. Uh, I honestly, it's not for everyone. Right. I, mm -hmm. I saw so many people come into workshops and the, the squats would just get them and they leave, you know what I mean? It's, it's very confronting because what I found is it cleared a lot of karma. So we can talk mm. about karma from, you know, the Jyotish per perspective, but we hold a lot of stuff in our hips. We hold mm. our traumas. We hold our stories. You know, there's stuff from past lives, you know, it's like very, very intense. And, and with all that squatting, you start to release and like unwind some of that stuff and big triggers can come. So I found that to be very productive, but it's not for everyone. No, definitely not. And I think most people think, you know, going hard and fast in a, a vinyasa class is is what's intense, but really just being still in that intensity is actually where you can mm. confront yourself. And it reminds me a lot of uh, the classical Indian um, ODC dance study that I, I've done when I went to study shadow yoga. I was like, wow, I've been here. I've sat in this intensity yeah. This, you know, discipline for the mind more so than the body. Um, but mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's segue into Jyotish uh, and let's lay some foundations here in terms of astrology, because there are so many people out there listening that I think really probably aren't aware of, you know, what, what is Vedic astrology, particularly, you know, Western astrology is so well known. Uh, some people connect strongly to it and some, you know, brush it off entirely. I know I personally grew up really obsessed with Western astrology. I think I was always seeking some kind of mm, seemingly spiritual understanding. Uh, and as I have, you know, progressed on the path, I've definitely felt more drawn to Vedic astrology and human design and, and these sorts of things. But can we simply just define the key differences here between Vedic astrology and Western astrology? Because I think it's really valuable for people to understand, to sort of help encourage them to be open to learning more. Yeah. Well, so the main difference is that Western astrology is based on a tropical zodiac and Vedic astrology is based on a sidereal zodiac. So what does that mean? Tropical zodiac is fixed. It's been, you know, zero degrees of Aries begins at the, the spring um, equinox in the, you know, in the Northern hemisphere. So um, that's been fixed since like the time of Jesus Christ, you know, <laughs> and the reason is because a lot of Hellenistic astrology information, I believe, and I've heard this from many other people was lost um, in the, the Alexandria, the, the library of Alexandria is burning. 
So a lot of that knowledge was lost. And so what it relies upon the most is um, information on transits and the intuition guiding the reader. Now, every form of divination is valuable. Vedic astrology has been passed on for thousands of years. It's called the eye of the Veda. And it has some, and of course it's changed over that time. You know, back when it was invented, it was a tool or invented seen by the seers. Like it was a tool mostly for Kings to find auspicious timing. So now, you know, people didn't know their birth times for the most part. They didn't, if, unless they had, you know, high birth or whatever. Um, So now it's changed. Right. But what differs about it is there's a lot of different calculations. There's a lot of different combinations that you don't see in Western as far as I understand it. And then also you have a way to see how things are moving in time. And so that puts you in a timeline so you can understand like how things have shifted from your past, where you're going. Right. And so it really helps you to, to gain insight about who you are in the world, what's possible for you. Um, you know, I look, I work a lot with business owners because I'm a business coach as well. So I look at what, what's the potential for them as an entrepreneur for success? What's their money karma look like? What is their career karma? Is that the house that's activated? Because if there are houses that are activated that are not around career, that's going to also pull their energy away from their work. So it's important to know like where the balance is and what Vedic astrology does really well is help with remedies. So this is a whole science within Vedic astrology is we all have this karmic map. You know, that's how we refer to the birth chart, which is where the planets are at the time of birth. But that tells us something about what kinds of actions maybe we took in the past and how that's fruiting now as far as like both positive and negative. So the good things that will happen, the harder things that are going to happen. And there are remedies you can use to uh, accentuate the good. And to help you move through the harder stuff. So improve the harder stuff, help you be stabilized as you're moving through it. Um, my teacher's teacher, he used to say, you if you're going to be hit on the head by a rock, that may not be avoidable, but you can maybe make it instead of a boulder, you can maybe have a helmet on or you, it could be a pebble. Mm-hmm. So like those remedies can really help to reduce the the blow, so to speak, with some of the difficult karmas. So it sounds in some respects a little bit more individualized rather than this kind of broad overview that everybody takes on as their own. But in Jyotish, we can really look at someone's real individuality. I know that's quite simplified, but would that be correct? I would say it's probably more refined. Now, I'm not a Western astrologer. I know people read charts, um, individuals' birth charts in Western astrology, but I think there's a there's a nuance. You know, I think what Western astrology does really well is rely on the the reader's intuition, and that's very powerful. But in Jyotish, we have like it's a science. There's calculations. There's you know a ton of things you have to memorize when you're getting started. And that can, again, like shadow yoga, it can deter people and make Mm. them want to run away, you know, um, and not go too deep into it. But if you go really deep into it, there's some real powerful understanding of combinations and calculations that can help you on the science side. And then you bring in your intuition to add to that. You're not relying on your intuition primarily. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. And so in terms of your personal path of yoga and Ayurveda, 
How does Jyotish interweave with these? How can we bring this in all together? Because obviously living in India, all these systems are part of daily life. But how can someone out there, if they're a student or a teacher or a practitioner of yoga or Ayurveda, how can they see this as, as woven together? Mm. Well, they're sister sciences, right? So they're they're inextricably linked in some ways. Uh, you know, Ayurveda is the science of life. You could almost say yoga is a science of life as well, right? It's teaching us something fundamental about how we our place in the world, right? And so you could also say that like Jyotish is a form of yoga. Like you can go, they're all very deeply related, right? But they each have their science. One is understanding how we work with substances and actions in the body. You know, one is working with the mind. When we talk about Jyotish, we're working with time and space, understanding where we fit into things. You know, it's a divination uh, tool. So it's helping us relate to the divine in a very direct way to understand our purpose and our place in the world. So they're all kind of woven together. So for teachers of yoga or for Ayurvedic practitioners, Ayurveda and, and Jyotish used to be inextricably linked. Like when you would go to get treated by somebody, they would also look at your chart because they'd want to know what may be contributing to this from mm. a karmic perspective, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a yoga practitioner, maybe you want to know, like, what is your proclivity as a spiritual practitioner? Are you going to get married and have a job? Or should you just focus on meditation? <laughs> or, you know, should you focus on um, remediating some blocks that are there that are inviting you to 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 work on yourself through relationship? Like all that information mm. is very relevant. Like if you're on a spiritual path, you want to know like what's in the path, <laughs> you know, like what may be obstructing me? What you know, if you have a strong desire, for example, you want to know, like, is that desire potentially going to be filled or is that desire something that uh, is not helpful for my practice, right? So it's all very related. Well, it's very much about that, um, the living, the living of yoga, the living Ayurveda, rather than seeing it as a separate thing to our daily life. It's this practice that we put over here and then we get on with daily life. So mm -hmm. how, how do we weave and embody this throughout our lifestyle? Um, that makes yeah a lot of sense. And I love that very much. Um, and in terms of the value of using Jyotish in daily life, let's hone in a little bit more specifically in terms of the work that, that you're doing. Uh, you know, how, how are we integrating this into our professional work in the world, regardless of maybe the job that we're doing, maybe that's mm. our, you know, part of our dharma. Um, but, you know, for me personally, just to give some context, I've been really, really into human design and Gene Keys the last few years and found that that's been incredibly helpful in terms of how I can understand how I'm best suited to, to work and also deliver my work in mm -hmm. the world. So how does, yeah, Jyotish weave in in a similar sense? Yeah. First of all, I also love human design. And I think you said you're a projector. I'm also a projector. And so understanding that has been really useful to me. And just to say that's based on a tropical zodiac. So these things are all, mm. there's no, there's no divination that's bad or wrong. It's like how we use it, how we practice it. You know, that's the most important thing. Um, human design has been a great tool for me, but so as far as Jyotish, 
Jyotish allows us to see when there's auspicious timing for us to do something, whatever that thing is. It might be get married, it might be sign a contract, it might be launch a new product in our online business. It allows us to see when is it going to be a good time. It also allows us to see like where there might be blocks to our success. So a lot of people come to me and they struggle with visibility or they have like, you know, fears around, um, being an expert in what they do, you know, they are constantly getting certificates when they really need to just be like out there selling. I think many people are really guilty of that. I know that I have definitely been in that place before, for sure. Yeah. And so what Jyotish does is it helps you see that and allows you to be like, oh, that's just the karmic map, right? It's not something about me. I don't have to add shame to it. I can just be like, oh, okay, and let's see what's there that can be assisting us. Let's see what remedy we can use. How can we like move forward in a way that's going to be helpful, right? So it allows us to kind of see ourselves in a bigger context. It allows us to have more, to take back our power from the things that we may think are just us and they're just wrong with us. So Mm -hmm. it allows us to kind of reframe our stories and then see where we can actually make headway, you know? And so it may be valuable to know that like you are designed to collaborate, for example, like you should go and find someone else that you can work with. That's information that you could get, you know, through Jotish that allows you to know like, oh, if I hired someone that would actually be really aligned, I might find the right person who can really help me. Right. Um, So that's just one example, but there's so many different ways. Like if somebody's working in a creative field and they're, um, you know, their parents told them that you shouldn't be an artist, you should do this, right? They really want to work in a creative field, but they've been told they should be a, a lawyer or something like that. I can help them by looking at the chart and really validating that part of them that wants to do the creative thing if that's there, you know, and like can look at the success patterns and say like, yeah, you could do this and actually have success. And the work really is around that voice in their head that is mimicking the parents telling them that they can't, you know, and, and kind of clearing that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what I love about these systems is that they help us get that clarity when we're so exposed to so much external influence and opinion and Mm. uh, pressure so and in which case when we're looking at our individual chart from the Jyotish perspective what would be a few things that we should be paying particular attention to I know that if someone's hasn't had a reading before let's say you haven't had a reading the person listening has no idea they're just starting out and you know they don't know where to begin what are a few things or a couple of things that a great place to start to bring attention to. Yeah. I think the first thing is the placement of your moon. So if you're ever in India and you go in a temple and you like get a puja, they're going to ask you, what's your birth star? What they're asking is what nakshatra or lunar constellation is your moon located in? And you can find this out. There's tons of places online where you can plug in your birth details and it will tell you. And the moon moves about every day. It's a little less than 24 hours. That is so, you know, even if you don't know your exact birth time, you're probably going to figure out where your moon is located. 
So this is a powerful thing. I highly recommend looking up the characteristics of that nakshatra and really studying it because there's myths associated with it. There's a deity associated with it. Like, for example, for me, my moon is in Revati. It's associated with the deity Pushyan, who is the guide of souls. He ensures that souls get where they need to go on their path. Revati also means the wealthy one. So in my chart, the way that my moon is situated, I'm really good at helping other people make money. So that helped me to understand like what I'm doing in the world just by knowing the placement of my moon. Mm. The second thing I would say is Saturn's placement in your chart will be really valuable to understand. And just having a relationship with Saturn, Saturn's the planet of karma. He's the one that delays, that causes disappointment, that... Um, teaches us our hardest lessons in life. And so it's really important to get to know what he's doing in your chart. If he's in your 10th house, for example, he's going to slow the process of you building a career. He's in your seventh house or aspecting your seventh house. He's going to slow the process of you having an intimate partnership. And so people can get really frustrated and they'll come to you, you know, and want to know why is this happening? And the key is usually to have a relationship with Saturn and to like meet that energy in a certain way using remedies so that you can work productively with that energy because it's going to affect you in some area of life. So knowing where he's placed, what he's affecting is really is useful. Also your rising sign and your ruling planet. So if you're an Aries rising, for example, you're ruled by Mars. So it's good to know that that planet is... Uh, influencing you and then you can read about what Aries rising means because in Jyotish the the location of the moon is important and then the rising sign is what casts the personality the moon is our mind Vedic astrology is the lunar astrology and so the way that Vedic astrology kind of situates itself is not focused on the sun which is our confidence and our external presence but it starts with our internal presence, which is the moon. So understanding the moon, understanding Saturn and understanding your rising sign are going to be the most important, important features of the chart. Mm. I really enjoyed um, your recent podcast episode about Saturn and Mercury. That was mm -hmm. really insightful. Uh, and Thank you. that makes so much sense. Everything that you're sharing. And when I remember specifically a number of years ago when I went to Chidambaram Temple and did puja there, that that's what they needed. They said, okay, you know, what's your nakshatra? Uh, and mm -hmm. um, but it, to be honest, when I found out that it was busha, and I I did go online to try and understand this a little bit more. I, still to this day, I did not know that there was a deity associated with with this. That's mm. that's completely foreign to me I, I will admit that I haven't dug very deep into Vedic astrology it's definitely it's definitely there it's been there in my life kind of waiting I think patiently for me to dig into but I think as you said earlier it is quite complex and it can be overwhelming and intimidating to really commit to pursuing that uh, yeah. And you, and you don't have to memorize, you don't have to like know all the details, you know, like my friend, Alison Dennis, who's also a Vedic astrologer, she works with music and sound and she, there's a, a raga associated with each moon placement, each nakshatra. Right. And so this past week, 
she taught me the raga associated with my moon. And so she sent me a whole list of like a playlist on Spotify of this raga in different forms, right? So that I could just listen to it and start to like let it settle in my body. And that's a remedy as well. Just getting to know that raga is you getting to know your nakshatra. So it's like whatever your inroad is, it doesn't have to be the deity. It can be, you know, some other aspect of it that resonates with you. Mm, That's so interesting because on a when I was doing research, it was very, um, this is your career. This is your, you know, your path in life. And, um, yeah, as my nakshatra is pusha, it was sort of like, you're, you could be a priest or a teacher or all this sort of thing. And I thought, okay, I can kind of connect with that, but it, it seems very mm, simplified maybe, um, or general. So obviously there's a lot of layers to Mm -hmm. it. And there's a lot of good books too. Um, I can send you some links to share, but there's one by Radha. She doesn't have a last name and it's about the the Vedic perspective on the nakshatras. I'm just like trying to see the titles over there, but there's a couple <laughs> of them where, where they go deeper so you can get mm. more information than what you're going to find online, which is very hit or miss. So mm. no, that would be, that would be great actually. Yeah. And so in, let's let's talk about books actually because you've you've raised that is there any Mm -hmm. particular books that you feel would be of value in this conversation for somebody brand new to learning about Vedic astrology so the book that i first got was light on life by dr Mm. robert svoda and heart Mm. to foe heart to foe is the lineage holder of my lineage and so that is the definitive book but it reads like an encyclopedia so if you're interested in learning jyotish I would definitely recommend studying with Steven Heiberger. He has a three-year certificate program and he's, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best out there as far as like teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, So that would be the first thing. And for those of you who are in business for yourselves um, or, well, first of all, if you're in business for yourself, I would suggest The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, which is all Mm -hmm. about working in your zone of genius. This is a topic I like to talk about a lot because it's, you know, when we're in that zone of genius, we can confuse it with our zone of excellence. Like our zone of excellence is we do it really well, right? Our zone of genius is it's almost so easy that we are like, why is anybody going to pay me for this? It feels different, Mm, right? And so a lot of people get stuck in their zone of excellence. So that's a really good book or even in their zone of competence. That's really painful. That's when you're feeling burned out and you are dissatisfied at work because you're good at it, but it's not, it doesn't feel like you're just good enough at it. Your zone of excellence, you're really good at it. People praise you for it, but it's not what you want to be doing. So Mm. read that book if that resonates with you. And then if you struggle with money and like earning money, you know, I work a lot with people around money karma and organizing their finances and having a different relationship to money. And so I recommend The Soul of Money by Lynn Twist because that's a book that really helps you to have a bigger, more spiritual view of what money's doing and being being a catalyst for change. Because I believe business is a spiritual practice and we're bringing our spiritual work that we've done on the mat or sitting on the cushion, right? We're bringing that into into our work one of the things one of the big things that i value is giving back and and she's also really interested in that so how do we have a bigger view that we become this catalyst for change in the world and we're able to like give back in really big ways so that book was a huge inspiration for me Mm, mm. 
I, I am aware of the first two, but not that last one. And yeah, The Big Leap is a phenomenal book, like, you know, understanding the upper limits and catching ourselves in that behavior every day uh, is, yeah, is incredible and, and quite an easy, easy book to read, really, uh, mm. because, you know, some of these texts that can be profoundly life altering can also be intense to to dive into. Uh, but in mm. terms of the the work that you're doing now, because your work has obviously shifted over the past few years, you know, you've always, at least from when I have seen what you've been doing, there's always been that element of Vedic astrology behind your work. But now you've moved more into helping entrepreneurs and, and those that are self-employed, let's say, or working for themselves, business owners, really up level what they're doing but in terms of the context of jyotish and i think this really weaves into the concept of our dharma and and really stepping into that but also embracing embracing wealth which can be often an uncomfortable conversation for people let's say in this the spiritual community and yoga and ayurveda because we kind of wrestle with the idea of abundance and making money and being able to give back. And that's something that you speak to and that you have done. And I would be, I, I would really love to hear from you just in terms of that and, and, and how we can shift into that mentality of embracing wealth, embracing, you know, abundance. And uh, I know that you've spoken about, you know, how Shantala Shriwamaya has, has helped you with, with that. Um, and I'm aware of her teachings on Lakshmi as well. And yeah, I think for me personally, this is something when I've mentored a lot of new yoga teachers as well that they really grapple with because, well, they want to they want to earn money, they need to pay the bills, but there's also this resistance: is is this okay to do, and and how can we overcome that? And yeah, so perhaps let's talk about the work that you're doing. Yeah, this is huge. So, I mean, yes, I've I've shifted a lot in the last few years because as I realized more and more what my purpose was and stepped into. I think, I think a lot of people will face this moment where they want to like break from what they've done before. So I was in media, I was a journalist, I started a nonprofit, I had done all these things and I was trying to break from that and go and do Jyotish, right? And I realized that actually it's the marriage of those two skill sets mm. of like online business and social media and all of the things that I had done before was actually where the juice was for me and, mm -hmm. and the genuine excitement. I've been building Dr. Robert Sabota's business over the last decade and got to experiment a lot. And we created a really thriving business for him that's going to allow him to retire and have the income that he needs, right? So I got to kind of cut my teeth on that experience and, and now work one-on-one -on -one and in groups with spirit-led entrepreneurs to help them build successful businesses. So I see a lot of times that people um, try to do things they've seen out there and they try to replicate things or they're really shy about what they're creating. And I help them really hone in on what is their zone of genius? What is their expertise? How can we formulate something that's really going to transform someone's life, right? And, and help them walk through a process of deciding to charge more for their time so that they can be more have their cup filled and so that they're more effective in what they do and so that there's a more powerful transformation right so 
I've helped people to kind of reframe and, and understand this because I feel like when we do well financially, we actually give back. We actually help our communities. We make a big impact, right? And I think the narrative we have around money is that money is bad because when people get money, they become bad, but money is just Shakti. And as spiritual practitioners, if we can understand that the, this is a practice, if you know nothing will trigger you you've been sitting on a mountain meditating and you come down into the reality of the world, nothing's going to trigger you more than money. Mm. (laughs) That raises the stakes. You're selling something like, who are you? You know, all those stories are going to come up and it will be a powerful shift for you in your practice. Your practice will bring so much to, to that process. And if you can embody that and you can earn really well, like I've already given over five figures to charity this year. I just gave $4,000 to a school in Varanasi last week because the, I had it in my um, envelope system that I use to kind of organize all my finances, which I teach inside my heal your money karma course. But I had it in there and she wrote an email that said, I've got uh, somebody who's matching donations. And I was like, oh, hell yes, I'm sending that right now. And so it's now $8,000, right? Wow. But because I have that like line item and I have my my astrology guidebook that I put out every year and then it, it goes to charity. So that alone raises like $9,000 a year. And then I did a summit earlier this year that raised 6,000. So I, I, I basically build it into my business. Right. And so that's what I teach people is to think about this differently. Like your wealth is your community's wealth. Mm -hmm. Your wealth is the land's wealth. We live on a, a regenerative farm, 160 acres. And when we moved here, this farm needed a lot of love and care. We've been giving it that love and care, and that's not inexpensive. If you know anything about farming, it's very expensive. I don't know how anyone does this if they don't have an online business. <laughs> but, you know, that's the measure of the success of my business is that this farm is thriving, right? And we have good soil and we have, you know, a forest that's regenerating after somebody who who came before us decided to clear cut, right? So we are really taking care of this land and that is you know, where our value, our spiritual practice is showing up in like a tangible form. So it's really important, I think, for spiritual people to look at when they have those blocks or when they think, oh, you know, I had someone tell me you should only earn $75,000 a year. If you get beyond that, then, you know, you start getting weird. And I was like, I don't agree with that. I just don't. I honestly think we should all be making $10,000 a month to thrive. And I don't know what the equivalent is in Australian dollars, but like we need that in the US in order to thrive to be able to save we've got responsibility children caretakers you know we maybe have um disabilities or things you know that require us to not work as much there's a lot of things you know that that come into factor and so that 10,000 goes really quickly so that's a minimum that i feel everyone should be making and sometimes when people hear that they're like oh my gosh that sounds like so much but it's really not and it's possible no matter what your mar- money karma is. Mm. Mm. And I, and I suppose when we actually sit down and we contemplate the concept of dharma, it's it's something that when it's embodied, it it inherently is going to assist us in bringing wealth into our life, and it's coming to us because we are in alignment with what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, mm. And and then, yeah, we have this opportunity to be of service, not just through the, you know, the 
I guess, generalization of, of SEVA, but, but as you've done is be able to give back and, and to reinvest that and recirculate that energy and recirculate that Shakti in a more conscious, intentional, impactful way. It's like you vote with your money, you vote with your time, yeah. with the world that you, that you stand for and that you believe in. And, and so, yeah, I do find this really interesting, the, the resistance, uh, let's say, in spiritual communities toward generating and cultivating like an abundance of wealth not just enough to get by but an abundance of wealth so they can like you say I often hear you say on social media you know coming from that place of overflow and being able to give back and reinvest and and um, I think that's incredibly powerful and incredibly admirable what you've been doing and and it's very exciting and and for those listening out there you know if you're a yoga teacher or an Ayurveda practitioner you know I personally have been really inspired by you creating a paid offering on your website that purely the money is directed towards giving Mm. back in some way. And I think that that is incredible. And perhaps that is maybe a gateway for many people to build more confidence in generating income if they know that it's going to go into the hands of someone or an organization that needs it. And that might make them a little bit more comfortable and then being open to receiving more I mean, it is a, it is a remedy for money karma to donate, right? That extends what is possible for you because you're including these individuals that are receiving from you in your plan. And so the universe is like, oh, this is a conduit to give to that yes. group. And I would say you've got to fill your cup first. You have to make sure that you're including and understanding like what it is that you need before. Because I see a lot of people wanting to give back, wanting to create like you know, um, lower ticket offerings, like so many lower ticket offerings that they spread themselves really thin, trying to create all this content. And then they're exhausted and burned out when they come to me and we have to work to create something else. So Mm. please don't get there. Um, and then I would also just say, you know, I think that the emphasis on Dharma and moksha and the spiritual community is because there is so much emphasis on Arta in the in the world, right? Sure. There's so much emphasis on having and, and material possessions and even comma, you know, there's a lack Pleasure. of interest in that mm. in, in, in the spiritual community, but those are integral. All four of those things are essential. Arta allows you to have the space and time to explore moksha. And if you're not, if you're a householder, if you have responsibilities in the world, you have to have Arta, right? And Kama allows you to have the joy that you need to bring to your Dharma and to, you know, Moksha and to Arta, like to it's enjoy essential. life. Yes. Right. So yes. they're all integral in spiritual practice and in the material world. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so let's let's talk a little bit about your offerings because you have a few things coming up and I'd love you to just take some space to elaborate on those. Uh, and oh, especially it, in case there's somebody tuning in further down the line, listening to this, you know, at, at another time, um, let us know if there's things that you'll be doing and that you'll be running again. Sure. So Heal Your Money Karma is my kind of beginning step for people who are struggling with money in some way. They've got stories that are difficult to digest, maybe that they got from their parents or society. Um, If any of this resonates, that's the course to start with because you're going to work with the planet Saturn. It's basically a remedy for Saturn to clarify your finances so that you're empowered. You know what your numbers are 
get clear on those stories, work with them productively, and then do a spiritual practice around wealth creation together in a 30-day sprint. So it's a really powerful course. Um, You can also, if it's still available, add on a money karma analysis. So I actually look at your chart and give you a reading on an audio and answer some of your questions and give you kind of an assessment of your money karma. So I do that from time to time. Um, My program, the Cosmic Business Incubator is actually for people who are spirit-led business owners who want to clarify their niche, like who is their client? What kind of transformation do you want to help them with? I help you formulate an offer that's going to get you paid well. And then we work on a marketing plan that feels good for you so that you can get that sold. So literally it's an eight-week container with strategy calls with me, networking calls with the group to make sure that you make those milestones and that you're ready when you leave to go and sell something. Then I have one-on-one with individual clients at like a limited basis. So those are my main offerings. And then I have a retreat coming up in India in November. So that still has some spaces available. And that's a 10-day retreat at an Ayurvedic center in South India and we go deep into your astrology, talk about planning for the year ahead, and Dr. Savota will be there. So we're going to have a fire ceremony for the first day, and then he's going to kind of give a talk in a group format for our group as well. So that's going to be pretty fun. <laughs> they all sound incredible. And can I clarify for those listening, because probably it's my fault, I often refer to yoga teachers and Ayurvedic practitioners, but what you're creating, the incubator and the retreat it's not just for people in that field, correct? It's for no, people that are, you no. know, they're entrepreneurs, they're they're working in their own unique field, but that this just resonates with them. Yeah, thanks for that. So they're spirit-led entrepreneurs. So they're not necessarily providing spiritual solutions or health solutions or healing solutions. They are leading from that place of having a, a spiritual practice. They're leading from their values. They're leading from you know, wanting to make the world a better place. They're interested in collaboration over competition, for example. They are interested in having their health be centered and have space be within their business so that their business is human-centric. It's not just about profit. Profit is a product of your health, right? So those those are the kinds of people that I help really build that kind of business. And it's very, very needed, I think, in today's world. There's not a lot of people doing what you do, and that's what makes it incredibly special and incredibly unique. Uh, so for those listening, where where can we direct them? Would you like to share your website and social media? Sure. It's weaveyourbliss.com at weaveyourbliss on Instagram. And yeah, that's where you can find info about all of those offerings that I just told you about and my astrology guidebook, which I mentioned earlier, you can get that there. And then you can be on my list. And I have um, resonance love letters that come out every Friday. Those are kind of deep dives in the astrology of the moment. They're strategy based. So if you're a business owner, you're going to get some ideas there about visibility or, you know, business strategy. Um, And hopefully they're fun. I like to tell a lot of stories there too. So, (laughs) and you have your podcast as well. And I have my podcast, which is called the cosmic business podcast. So if you're a business owner, you can go there and get insights from me about the astrology and business strategy, but also conversations with people doing this kind of work. Mm. So yeah, thank you so much for letting me share all of that. Yeah, you're so welcome. I'm a big fan of the podcast. And I do particularly really appreciate on, um, on your Instagram, the 
the um, monthly, like the new moon updates in terms of the Vedic astrology. It's nice just to have that that reset at the start of every month and kind of feel into how things are playing out um, in a really accessible way for for those that don't really understand yet Vedic astrology and um, and yeah and your your website's beautiful as well and I love your offerings and everything that you're putting out in the world because I, as I said already it's I think it's really really valuable and really important um, so thank yes. you I so thank you so much that. for your time Paula and um, we'll be sure to to link all your information and the the books that you've mentioned as well in the show notes is there anything else that you would like to share before we wrap up I'm just really grateful for you taking the time to look through what I do and and to put this conversation together. And so if anybody who's listening to this resonates and you have questions or whatever, you can send me a DM on Instagram. I love chatting with people. Um, so yeah, I invite you to say hi. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Well, I wish you a restful evening. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Paula. And thank you thank so much you. again for your time. If this episode was of value to you and your life, please subscribe. And if you can think of someone who would benefit from this dialogue, please do them a favor and send it their way. If you feel called, hop on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. This is the best way to get these conversations into the ears and hearts of our wider community, to those who need it most. You can find me at amyelandry.com or over on Instagram at amyelandry. May we all move a little closer to a life living in alignment.